listening to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one Australian weekly trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're here to bring an independent voice to truckies right around Australia. So please do us a favour, listen in on your favourite podcast platform, hit like and subscribe, leave a comment and don't forget to tell your mates about us. On the Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Visit the website at nti.com.au. G'day and welcome back to episode 66 of On the Road with Mike and Andy. This week, Mike catches up with Trevor Warner to talk about changes to the national heavy vehicle law and sleep regimes. Later on in That's What You Think, Sludge from Outback Truckers fame joins us for a yarn. We've got all the latest from the On The Road newsroom as well as more great Aussie music from James Johnston and Luke Austin. Truckies tax accountant Ben Charles is here again in his Wake The Truck Up segment and later in the show Mike dives in deep about the looming ad blue shortage. All of this and more guys, it's time to roll this rig on out, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over there! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24 7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. As we continue our quest to find more great Aussie music to introduce you to, this week we're putting the spotlight on James Johnston a Queensland-based singer-songwriter who's been described as the hot new topic in country music. Following on from the mega-success of his debut single, Raised Like That, Johnston has just released his latest single and video, which has seen a meteoric rise to number one on the TMN Country Town Hot 50 Airplay charts. Here to talk with us about his new single and a whole lot more is James Johnston. G'day James, thanks for joining us on the road. Thanks for having me on. Very much our pleasure, mate. After kicking off your career in your early teens, travelling around with your family and playing pretty much any and every stage you could climb onto, you bought a van and set out on a great Aussie road trip to share your music far and wide. Now, as a young bloke, that must have been quite an adventure. Can you tell us about that experience? Yeah, so when I was about 20, I bought myself a van and my dad and I welded some bunk beds into it. And a good friend of mine, Chad, we just took off on the road and, and we didn't really have too much of a plan, to be honest. The idea was just kind of book a couple of weeks of gigs and, you know, let the gigs kind of determine where we're heading to next. It took us all across the country. You know, we played some amazing little towns up the coast, but we also got to play some little places throughout the outback. It truly was just an amazing couple of years. Well, I guess if you'd had plans, it would have been a tour, mate. So a road trip, yeah, no plans. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Later on, you spent some time in Nashville, the spiritual home of country music, and during that time you wrote over 300 songs. I don't think I've written over 300 songs in my career, but anyway, what a great way to really kickstart your career in the big league. Yeah, I think Nashville really taught me, especially over there, 300 songs to them is nothing. Yeah. That's what they're writing in a year, and especially last year, you know, I was supposed to be moving to Nashville last year, and well, obviously COVID hit and that didn't happen, Yeah. but I kind of took on that mentality being like, you know what? If I'm going to stay here, I'm going to treat it like a job and I'm going to really work on my craft. And last year I wrote a couple of hundred songs. And then I think that just allowed me to write out a lot of, I guess you call it the rubbish, you know, kind of all the stuff that I didn't want to say. And then finally, when I actually got to the point where I was like, all right, I feel like I'm a songwriter now. That's when I feel like I can start putting out music. Yeah. Now your new single, Small Town, what was the inspiration behind it? How did that all come about? So the story of the song is a country fellow living in the city and then driving back to his little small town. And I kind of captured that song in that exact moment. Mm. You know, I've been spending a fair bit of time in Brisbane, but I'm from a little town of a couple of thousand people called Wingham in New South Wales. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's still always been my home. I've been up here in Queensland for about 10 years, but my family farm's still back there. And and that truly is what I call home. And I was on one of these drives and I just kind of was just sick of doing the city thing. I was heading back and I thought, you know, I want to capture this moment. And that story is that tale of me doing the drive back even when it came down to the production, you know, I was just really excited about getting back home and I really wanted to kind of capture that feeling in the production as well. Yeah, well, you certainly did. Now, there's a great video clip that goes with Small Town. Where was that filmed? That was filmed out at Gatton. 
initially I sat down with my videographer, Elijah, and we've been good mates for a long time. And I said to him, I said, I said, I've got this idea and, you know, I want to kind of show that feeling like I used to be when I was 16, you know, when you just kind of build a bonfire and all your mates get around and you just have a drink, you know, that's kind of what you did, right? Yeah. So anyway, he said to me, he's like, well, why don't we just do that? Why don't we just throw a big old party, invite a bunch of friends and I'll just bring my crew and we'll capture the magic. And pretty much what you see today was exactly that. And we just had a hell of a time doing it. Yeah, it shows doing the video. And a lot of our listeners, mate, are trackies that pass through Gatton so often that they'll probably recognise the scenery there in the video. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. James, it's fair to say that the last couple of years, you touched on this earlier, it's been hard to say the least for music artists, but I believe with everything starting to open up again, there are plans for you underway to get back on the road again for a tour in the early part of 2022. Where will people be able to catch you and your show? Yeah, so I'm doing a lot of festivals mainly next year. I actually just got to announce I'm playing Savannah in the Rounds play it this year but i'm getting to play it again next year which is exciting and mm. there's been lots of dates that have been added and lots of some of my favorite festivals that i'm getting to play and some have been some haven't been announced but for me you know my passion really came from playing live music you know that's what i've been doing forever now i stepped out and i'm releasing my own original music mm. but my passion was kind of rooted in playing live yeah so i'm just absolutely busting the gut to get back out there and get in front of some crowds again i'll bet yeah now, I'm sure our listeners would like to learn and hear more about you, mate. Where can they go to get further information? You can follow me on any of the socials. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And my link is at James Johnston Music and Johnston with a T. Or you can just follow me on my website, which is www.jamesjohnston.com. Brilliant. I've been chatting with James Johnston, an exciting new Aussie singer-songwriter who's certainly been capturing the attention of country music fans right across Australia and beyond. James, many thanks for making the time to chat with us this week on the road. To finish up here, how about you introduce your brilliant new song for us? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm James Johnston, and this is my brand new single called Small Town. Cheers, James. All the best, mate. Awesome. Good on you, Andy. Let's go. I backed up traffic on the highway, going nowhere. I had to stay back and work late. Yeah. Trying to look enough, but all I see How I step down at me Not a star inside, so I'm just thinking I'll head back to a small town Homebound, back to what I know Back to a big sky, lo-fi That's where I'll go oh, There's always been a part of me That never gave it up So tonight it's time to turn this thing around Back to a small town Disappears in the rear view. I'm moving on. I got my hands tapping on the dashboard to a country song, and I can't get there now fast enough. So, man, I'm gonna tear it up. Gonna drive it all night, running to the sunrise. Only place I'll go is back to a small town, homebound. Back to what I know, back to a big sky, lo fi. That's where I'm Vice President of the National Road Freighters Association, Trev Warner, has joined me to have a quick chat about a couple of things that have come up. We want to have a bit of a talk about the sleep regime and a few other things. 
But first of all, before we started that, we had a talk last week on the news about the NTC and changes to heavy vehicle national law and the way things are going there. I want to cover that first. How are you going, Trev? Up in Townsville, mate, player comfort level's a little bit over the top. Yeah, g'day, Mike. Summer's certainly well and truly on its way, mate. All right. Well, at least we're going to have summer. Yeah, that's right. The rains are here, the temperature's here, the humidity's 99.9. Yeah. you got to love it. you got to love it. So you need some gills to breathe up there. <laughs> I remember what it used to be like when I used to cart cars for Coastline out of Dara. I used to cart new Hondas and Hyundais up to Trinities in Cairns and up to Islands and that. And I remember what it was like. I used to try and unload in the dark if I could because at least it was a little bit cooler. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I hear you there. It's hard to get a rest when it's hot though, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. I'm lucky that I've got an ice pack and it works really like a proper ice pack. It works really well. Yeah. Without that, you'd struggle. I only saw a fellow yesterday parked under a gum tree, an old 104 with a visa on the back, and I just thought, oh. you poor bugger, you know. How are you doing it in the middle of the day? Be slipping around inside that thing. That's terrible. It's the worst thing in the world to wake up with a ball of sweat, isn't it? Oh. I've done it once. My cooler died. I was at Ballada, your favourite truck stop, BP at Ballada. Yep, yep. And I woke up and I was with a ball of sweat. I was nauseous. I stumbled out of the truck. I grabbed me laser temperature and fired it at the air coming out of the visa. It was 55 degrees. Awesome. That was horrendous, that. But you did what you had to do. Yeah, well, I honestly think that a lot more thought needs to go into some of this stuff. You know, everyone's now starting to say about a rest being so important. Look, Leave it there. We're going to cover that in a minute, mate. I want to talk to you about the news story that was in Big Rigs that we talked about in the news last week. You said in the story that you're getting a steady stream of comments and complaints from guys that are getting these ridiculous little non-safety-related fines. I've also just written a piece in Big Rigs as well about why the heavy vehicle national law and therefore the NHVR can't get a run in Western Australia. Where are we at with that, mate? You've been there to the meetings. How are these meetings going? How are they presenting themselves? To me, it's almost like they've gone right back to the beginning again where they've got all this data in front of them and they're trying to sort through it. They thought they found a route to a resolution, but that's turned out to be a dead end. So they've backtracked and they're communicating with industry again. I think they're just re-evaluating. I know the conversations that we've had, we've come at it from a driver's perspective and yeah. we're calling out decisions or directions that they think they might go down. And we're saying, look, hang on a sec. If all this is about safety... These are the problems that we see from a driver's perspective. If you're going to restrict driving hours, if you're really going to put the clamps on drivers, stress levels, mental health, it's already suffering now. You need to take that into account. You can't discount that and you can't put the shackles on tighter than what you already have. Yeah. And how have they responded to that? Oh, absolutely positively. One of the gentlemen even come back, he changed it into his language. And he said, oh, yeah, you're right there. That's just like a young child. If they sleep too much during the day, they don't sleep at night. And I've said that's exactly when we get delays, we try and grab as much sleep as we can. So later on in the night when we're out of work hours, you're still bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Mm. can't sleep, and that dominoes into the next day and the next day. And we've got to try and juggle and fiddle that into our schedule. So we need more flexibility. And if you're not going to give us that flexibility, our frustrations and stress levels are just going to escalate, which just compounds the problem. Well, there's always been a mismatch, hasn't there? I mean, you rock up and you're supposed to load at whatever time of the day and you've presented yourself at work fit for what you're supposed to be doing. You get there and they say, oh, no, mate, your load's not going to be ready until five or six o'clock tonight. And you will have been there all day by then, but they're going to expect you then to go and do your work. But if you've just woken up after a six or seven hours sleep, you've got no hope of getting back to sleep and you've got no choice. The customer's going to expect you to carry on and do the job. And if you say that you can't or you're going to run into trouble, then all of a sudden you're seen as having an attitude problem. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think every driver can attest to that. Yep. It's one of the reasons why I hated doing market. You would show up at the store or you'd show up at the cocky's place, you know, and say, oh, no, mate, it's still out in the paddock. We've got to go and get it. Mm -hmm. And you'd go, well, hell's bells. What am I supposed to do now? And then they'd say, oh, well, if you want it done quicker, mate, you better get off your ass and come and help us. <laughs> yeah, that's back in the days, isn't it? I'm sure you've had it said to you. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. 
I've been loading potatoes last season and they were bringing them off the paddock into the back of the truck. Yep. They weren't even hitting the floor of the shed. Yeah, lovely. It's wonderful, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, the reality of it is, as I've said before, there's always a mismatch between what the reality is on the ground for the bloke driving the truck and what everyone else is thinking. Well, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. You can't blame the police and the transport departments around the country for the laws that are in place. They just enforce the laws. They're not interested in your excuses. They're just interested in compliance. That's it, isn't it? That's absolutely right. It's black and white to them. Yep. Now, I, I sort of dug pretty deep and I found out that the NHVR has got a fatigue expert panel that they do consult. Mm. And a few of the professors talk at safety events like WorkSafe Victoria and the one up here in Queensland, and they did seminars in the OHS arena. Mm. I've sent emails. So I haven't spoke directly to Drew Dawson for a long time, but I've sent him emails. I spoke to Professor Ann Williamson for quite some time and she actually understands the problem that we've got, mm. but she's only one voice out of the others. And even though she understands, she keeps saying, look, you guys know your job. I'm concerned about the new people coming in that don't know. And worst of all, they don't know that they don't know. Mm. And next minute, they're being pushed by consigners, the consignees, they're getting pushed by the schedulers saying, oh, come on, you've got to do this. Back in my day, we used to do that in 12 hours. Come on, what's taken you? Yeah. And all of a sudden, these people get pushed beyond the limit. I said recently on social media that the difference between being on the road and in the bush on some of our country roads is literally 0.2 of a second. That's right, 100%. There's a big difference too. Back in my day, well, if we go back in my day, when I first started, we were driving trucks that would do 130, 140, no troubles at all. Mm -hmm. And we did it. I hate to admit it, I've put my hands out now and hope the highway patrol's not listening, but we did it. We did some really, I suppose, looking back, insane things. But at the same time, there are still people out there that think that that was okay. You know, there are still people out there that think you can still do it too. That, that's exactly right. I had this discussion with the NTC about scheduling. Mm. The scheduling at the moment, the, the only rules that they've really got to comply by is if the driver doesn't look fatigued at the time mm. and they're on standard hours, you can schedule them a 12-hour workday. If they're on fatigue management, they can be scheduled for 14 and to 15.5. Mm. And it's just horrendous when you've got schedulers like that that work out that if you go from point A to point B, you can average 87, 88 kilometres an hour. Mm. And they schedule... Well, a mate of mine the other day got into Sydney and hit poor bugger. He's got a bit of dyslexia and he was trying to juggle the schedule. And he's just gone, I, I can't do this. How, how am I going to do this, Trev? Mm. So we, we went through it step by step. And I said, well, we used to split our B-doubles up down the end of that road. And you can't do that now because the developers have moved in and that's all channel and curve now. So now you've got to split up at Eastern Creek. Mm. Fair enough, he's on BFM. But he would have used every single bit of that 14 hours to get to bed. And he only just got back to Eastern Creek in his allocated time slot. Now, his anxiety levels were just atomic, you know? More good luck than good management. And if you've got an electronic work, door, it just makes it even worse. That's right. It's, it's like watching the detonator countdown, isn't it? It is. Mate, we're just going to take a quick break. I'm with Trevor Warner, the Vice President of the National Road Freighters Association. We're talking about a few trucky things, and we'll be back right after this word from our sponsors. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. Righto, back with Trevor Warner, mate. Let's get on with this sleep deficit thing that you were talking about before. Getting a good sleep. I've been chatting with various people about that for a while and the need for all these proper engine-off climate control systems. What do you see happening down the track, mate? Well, I would like to see cooling systems. If the vehicle's being used for long distance and the driver is spending his major rest break in the truck, in the vehicle, 
there needs to be a hard and fast standard put in place yep. with the safety regulations. Yep. At the moment, all that they're saying is that the sleeper berth's got to be a certain size to qualify as an approved sleeper. Mm. Well, we're now seeing cooling systems come onto the market that, yes, they're a cooling system, but in the Australian climate, they've got no performance whatsoever. Mm. You might as well just wind the windows down and hope for the best. Yeah. So I think there needs to be a proper standard set. Yep. I set mine on about 20 degrees, and in the middle of summer, you get under the derna and you, you just sleep like a baby. Yeah. But if it's up around 26, 28 degrees, so you don't get a proper sleep. That needs to be put in place. The other thing is flexibility. When we're trying to balance our sleep opportunities with our schedules and the delays and everything that we we're just talking about, mm. drivers have got to be able to get their anxiety levels under control. So they need to be comfortable that they can go to sleep and their mind's free. They're not stressed. So in my experience, I typically look at my schedule and I go, right, if I leave Melbourne now, I can't get to Sydney, have my sleep and do my deliveries. You just can't do it in a linear fashion. Yep. So you've got to look at it and break it up and go, okay, righto, well, I'm going to go from Melbourne. I'm going to stop at Yass mm. and I can have a six-hour sleep at Yass. Yep. Then I can go into Sydney and I've got a, enough time to do both deliveries or one delivery. Then I can have a two-hour rest break. And then that actually complies with the current rule 255, which is a split rest break. So you've got six hours and two hours. Mm. Now, I can do that day in, day out and not have a sleep debt. Yeah. But in some cases, particularly Coles and Woolies and Aldi, where if you're not there in their schedule, you could be waiting around town all day to, just to get unloaded. And then, of course, you've missed your next load out. Yeah. So it's literally cost you a day's wages if you don't get paid for because the wheels aren't turning. Yeah. So what we've asked the NTC for is, now this is experienced drivers with fatigue management accreditation. We still have our eight hours in total, but we should have flexibility to split that up as best we can. Mm. Four hours and five hours has always worked for me, mm. then the balance later on. But we need to have that reflected inside the law, but also that may only happen twice a week. So we're not asking for it as a rule that we could use every single day, but every third day, that scenario could play out if you're running between Sydney and Melbourne. So to eliminate or reduce at least the anxiety of fitting your work into your schedule, into your work diary, if we had that flexibility, that's one less thing that we've got to be worried about, about, you know, going home on the weekend, telling the wife and the kids that oh, I've got no spare money this week or for the next month if we just got a $1,200 fine. Yeah, don't even start me on that. I can't understand why we're looked at in such a different way to other people in the workforce. I mean. You go home from your job at the factory or the shop or wherever it is that you work and you might watch TV for a while, have tea, watch the news, watch more TV, stay up till midnight. No one cares. And this is what I would be saying to the NTC if it were me. We should have a certain amount of hours we can do in any 24-hour period and how the rest breaks fall after that should be up to us. As long as we don't work more than 12 hours or 14 hours in a 24-hour period, whether we have two hours off, one hour off, five hours off, whatever we choose to do our blocks of time off, why can't we have the freedom to choose for ourselves how we spend the time? That's right, Mike. And this is something that I've put to the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator. You know, you know I've all of the professional truck drivers advanced fatigue management. Mm. That's being evaluated at the moment, but that's pretty much what I said. Give us 16 hours to do whatever work that we need to do and work-related activities, mm. and then eight hours however we see fit. I might get that wish. I might not. Mm. But it comes back to the academics, like your guest that you had on the other week, mm. that science tells us that the human body needs to sleep for seven hours, and seven hours is super important. Yep. Well, that might be right from a scientific level. That might be right as a result of sleep experiments and research studies and all that. Yep. But in the real world, we've got a hell of a lot more stress going on in our life mm. than volunteering to go and do a sleep study. <laughs> so yep. whilst the science is there and we do understand that and we appreciate what they're saying, we need that little bit of flexibility to be able to work it into the real world environment. Yep. I've been doing that for 15 years and that's how I've survived. Yep. Oh, well, look, it does my head in, you know, to use an example I've used before and an example that I know well, if you're heading north into Sydney and you've got a couple of options of where you're going to stop, you can stop at Goulburn, you can stop at Maroolan, you can stop at Sutton Forest, and those places are like 45 minutes apart, right? 
Mm-hmm. So if you stop at the shell there at Goulburn, if you pull up before that in the Poplars Parking Bay there, before the Federal, you've got no facilities. It's a nice parking bay. You're off the road a little bit, but you've still got the trucks going past all night, but no facilities. If you stop at the shell there, you've got good facilities. You can get something to eat. There's a Coles shop there and you can get yourself something if you want, but there's a shower, toilets, all that sort of stuff, 24 hours a day. But it's a changeover bay as well. So the guys that are doing the shuttles out of Sydney, like the Collinses and that are in there and Australia Post, and it's an endless display of trucks going past and beeps and reversing buzzers and trailers hooking up. Not a restful place to stay. Then you get to Maroolan, and no matter where you park in Maroolan, it's the same. Christ knows how anyone sleeps at Maroolan. I just don't know how it's done. (laughs) And then you can get out the back of the shell at Sutton Forest or one of the couple of parking bays that are along there, and you can get yourself a good sleep. But if you run out of time, if you're at Maroolan and you've got 20 minutes to go, you can't get to Sutton Forest and you've got to go through the Waybridge, you're on the camera. People make decisions based on the practicalities and the legality of the logbook. I know where I'd rather stop. I'd rather stop out the back of the shell at Sutton Forest and have a good sleep, quiet, you know? That's right. But instead, we're not allowed to make these decisions for ourselves. And for me, that's fundamentally wrong. I'm better off to spend 15 minutes now and get somewhere that's quiet where I'm going to get a good sleep rather than have to put up with people hooking and unhooking trailers beside me. That's right. And if you've got all that noise, I've got fridge motors, so that kind of creates a bit of a rhythm that, that drowns out a lot of the noise. Yeah. And these wonderful new Volvos, mate. Oh, yeah. You open the door to disconnect your trailer, and next minute the horn's blasting because <laughs> you haven't activated the brake quick enough. Mm. So in those places, your logbook may show that you've had a seven-hour break, but in reality, yeah. in my Fitbit device, I've got one specifically to demonstrate or to create a data set of how many times you wake up during the night and your actual sleep pattern to demonstrate that, hey, most of us don't sleep for seven hours. We only sleep five or six. So this is our natural rhythm, and your hard and fast inflexible regulations are actually fighting our body clocks rather than working with our body clocks. Couldn't agree more. We're all individuals, mate. We are all individuals, and this is the problem where you've got line-in-the-sand regulations doesn't take that into consideration. I don't want to create the situation where people can just go and open slather. There does have to be some lines in the sand. But for God's sake, how hard is it to make things flexible enough for people to be realistic? Obviously, if you make a mistake and they're going to look through and see what you've done, if you've been a fool, well, that's going to come out in the investigation, isn't it? That's right. We've got that many points of data now between our phones, our devices, our GPS in our trucks, Mm. the safety cam systems, the traffic management systems. Yeah. There's that many points of data now that if you've done the wrong thing and you've been a clown, they'll throw the book at you. They've got more evidence than you'll ever produce to protect yourself. But it's rightfully so, though, too, mate. I mean, let's face it. We bandy this professional driver thing around. We say we're professional drivers, and a lot of us are. I honestly think that the fools weed themselves out fairly quickly. But let's face facts, mate. The NTC, I think, and NHVR and Heavy Vehicle National Law needs to reflect probably a little bit more of a common-sense approach. Well, that's right. And the NRFA, we're big on compliance. Mm. And with compliance, there's systems now, there's technology now that compliance is easy to implement. It's not expensive now with these uh, electronic forms and the systems are almost templated now amongst the businesses. Yeah. With compliance comes training and also comes oversight. Yeah. So the bad old days are gone, really, where it's just open slather put flat to the floor and hope and pray for the best. Hmm. Those times are gone. We've got data sets in place. We've got accreditation where it gives you a little bit of flexibility. We just need the academia to realise that if you're accredited, you're willing to create an additional data set to show that you're operating within your personal boundaries Hmm. and to let us do what we want to do. Back in 2008, I had an issue with the Heavy Vehicle Task Force and I went onto their website Back then, they had their own website, Victoria Heavy Vehicle Task Force. And they're saying that these fatigue laws must be implemented. These heavy vehicles are dangerous for public safety. And they provided several examples on why these laws need to be as tight as what they were. Mm. And would you believe it? Some of the examples, one in particular, the driver had been awake for three days. Another driver had been awake for 52 hours straight. Mm. So they're using these extreme examples to go, right, if a driver goes over 15 minutes now, we're going to whack him a half a week's wages. If he goes over by an hour, we're going to whack him his full week's wages. Hmm. 
So how did we go from absolute insane awake for three days to bang 15 minutes, half your money, thanks for coming, yeah. half your weekly wage, you know? Oh, I don't know, mate. It's just ridiculous. Well, in my opinion, you know what the one thing that would solve the problems more than anything and as quickly as possible would be? Yep. Make the DCs pay demurrage and pay the drivers an hourly rate to sit there with their freight on once you've passed your time slot by an hour. There you go. Let's see how quickly that solves the problem. Where are the unions on that, mate? That's exactly right. Where are the unions? I can answer that because they've gone on the record, Mike. Have they? They've gone on the record at the Fair Work Commission to say that we completely object to that. Mm. These two drivers that have gone in front of the Fair Work Commission, which is myself and Brenda McKay, we put forward exactly that argument and the union opposed us. The Australian Industry Group opposed us, SADA opposed us, Nat Road opposed us, Mm. also attacked our credibility. Yeah, I know that, mate. (laughs) (laughs) And I've asked Mr. Kane to come on the show more than once, and I only want to ask him the question, why did they oppose it? That's it. I just want an answer. I'm not going to have a go at him for it. I just want to know why. That's right. You know, the fact of the matter is, mate, people are sitting there. They can't be anywhere else. They're at work. That's right. Someone should pay. Why should we sit there for free? You can't keep a taxi sitting about for free. That's right. You can't keep your plumber sitting about for free. That's right. No one sits about for free except for truck drivers. It's amazing. And that bunch of bananas that you just bought the other day for two ninety nine a kilo, we only want one cent of that. Yep. One cent of that three dollar purchase and that would compensate the amount of time that we're sitting around. Yeah, well that's a great subject, it's one for another day, Trev. It's been great to have you on the show and chat to you about this as always. National Road Freighters Association, of which I'm proudly a member, doing what they can. Trevor, Vice President of the National Road Freighters Association, thanks for coming on, mate. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Pleased to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. You're right, mate. Take care out there and we'll catch you down the track. Cheers, mate. See you on the road. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. You can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you're interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. G'day, it's James Johnston here, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. It's time for That's What You Think. Been trying to catch up with Paul Andrews, also known as Sludge of Outback Truckers for a little while. So I've given him a ring and this is the conversation we recorded earlier on. Find out about the truck and what's going on in Sludge's life at the moment. He's coming out of Telford towards Marble Bar. So the phone service has been a bit patchy and obviously he's on the hands free while he's driving. So the sound quality is not fantastic. You're going to go in for a bit of a swizz, are you Sludge? Yeah, yeah, got to, uh, never been to Marble Bar before. I've tried for about 35 years to get to this place, so <laughs> I've uh, finally made it, so I'm going to go and have a look today. Marble Bar, mate, I never went to Marble Bar. I drove past the turn-off a few times, though. They reckon there's a good pub there, real bloody ripper. I reckon you should find out and let me know, mate. Oh, I reckon I'll go and have a look and I'll take a photo <laughs> and put it on Facebook of me truck sitting outside the pub. I reckon you should. I'll tell you what, mate, I had a good look at that truck down at Brunswick at the show when we were down there and we were having a bit of a chat. It's a bit of a special truck, mate. Where did you get that thing? Yeah, we uh, got it in from America. Yep. Frank Christie, Christie Customs over in Melbourne did it all for me. Yep. Brilliant job. Absolutely. Like, it started off to be a nice truck and it got, yeah, right out there. <laughs> Back in 09 when we built it. Yep. It was the top of the wazer. It had everything on it. You know, I was so humble when I picked this thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't what you expected, though. I mean, the story I heard, it started out being inspired by that song Phantom 309, and most of the truckies know that song. Yeah. And we ended up with the comic character, mate. How did we get there? Well, I named it after the song because it's an awesome song, and yeah. and I thought that would be a great name for the truck. Yeah. I just wanted the name on the side of the bunk, yeah. and once it was all painted and everything, they seen it over there, and Daniel that I asked to get it airbrushed, mm. he said, uh, you let me do what I want, I'll do something special for you. Yeah. 
And when they did it, I had no idea it was even a comic book. So to me, it was just the song. It was certainly a bit different when I rolled up Melbourne to pick it up. <laughs> She's a pretty wild colour, mate, purple too. I mean, did you choose that on purpose, did you? Yeah, look, I just thought it'd be a nice colour. It was the old Morpheus colour, you know, back in the... Yeah. It had just come out, and I was like, now, that's a cool colour. No, no, it looks all right. Uh, like the flames up the side of it too, that's pretty good too. Yeah, when I picked it up, I looked at it, and I didn't like the flames when I first seen it. Yeah. I was sort of a bit taken back with it, and then he said to me, if you don't like it, when you get home to Perth, I'll stand it off, and I'll fly over and redo it. Well, by the time we got home, everyone had gone mad over it, didn't they? Yeah, and you've been stuck with it ever since. Stuck with it ever since. Yeah. It's still bloody beautiful. It's still probably the only truck I've ever loved is mate, you know. Yeah. Been a good truck, done a lot of Ks, you know. But it's nice to have something special, something different. Yeah, no, she certainly does look the part, mate. You do stand out. Hey, uh, I was talking to Yogi the other day, and he tells me he doesn't know what's going on with Outback Truckers for next season, if it's even going to happen. Have you heard anything yet? No, I haven't. Look, they kept this season filming. They reckon it was the UK pulled out of but I think it was more to do with just the logistics of trying to get film crews around. Yeah. But I believe we are going to start filming after Christmas. Yeah, right. Okay. So they haven't said it, but there's been comments made. I reckon there's almost time just for a show called Truckers, you know. Well, in Australia, like, there's plenty of interesting stuff goes on on the East Coast as well, you know, like, I mean, you blokes do a lot of interesting stuff over here, I've seen for myself, but a lot of interesting stuff happens on the East Coast too. There's a lot of stuff over there. You know, we've got the outback side of it, mm. where they do a lot of different freight round, and yeah, look, I believe that there's room for another one, or maybe a change, and yeah. maybe two shows, you know. Yeah, I know when I was doing the water run a couple of years ago, I had one of the producers ring me up and we had a bit of a chat about it briefly and never went anywhere. But it's one of those things. I think people are genuinely interested in what we do when we're in the cab. Quite amazing. Seven years now, and I never, ever dreamt that it would get to where we've got to. You know, we won the awards, the Black Box Awards this year. Yeah, yep, that's right, yep. It's pretty good for a little WA or like a little Australia show. Yeah. And and I think people are interested in how their stuff gets. You know, they don't, a lot of people in the city don't see how stuff gets out here to the middle of nowhere, you know. That's right. Well, I put a couple of videos up of that quad I was driving, how they track and the way the trailer's hooked up, and I was blown away by the amount of interest those things got. There's not a lot of information on the web about what we do over here, you know, mate. No, and, and that's probably the trouble. People don't see what we're up to over here. Yeah. Whereas now it's becoming a bit of a limelight and they can see it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm with Paul Andrews, also known as Sludge of Outback Truckers. We'll be back right after this word from our sponsors. If you need signage or graphics for your truck, trailer, van, boat, equipment or business, the Sticker Shed is the fast and cost-efficient large-format digital print and vinyl cut graphic business that can meet all your needs. They specialise in signs, graphics, decals, stickers, banners, one-way window signage and even large-scale canvas prints. Don't be fooled by the name, the Sticker Shed has a fully mobile production facility which means they can manufacture your signage or graphics on the spot. Even if they're not in your area, they can still custom make your signs, stickers and graphics and ship them to you. For more information or to obtain a quote, send an email to brett at thestickershed.com.au, visit the Sticker Shed Facebook page or call Brett on 0412 105 151. The Sticker Shed, their business is making your business look great. I see that you've changed the trailers now. You're doing something else. You've still got the fuel tankers on, or what are you doing? No, I sold all my fuel tankers and leased the last set out. Yep. The idea was actually to be at home and have a bit of a life, but I'm not doing too well with that. <laughs> I was going to say, how's that working out for you, mate? <laughs> and I tried not to tell anyone that I was buddy up to, and it still didn't work. I think I've got all this week. By the time I get home, it'll be Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And then uh, next week, I've already got another mate booking me up now. Unreal. I said to Christmas, and then I'll somehow slow it down, yeah. Yeah, slow it down a little bit. You need to slow down and have a rest anyway, mate. Yeah, I've pretty much been doing this since I was 14, 15. Yeah. And I've never stopped. Yeah. So it's time to spend a bit of time at home and have a life, I think. It's an important decision to make. It's a hard one to make, though, because we're used to doing it, aren't we? We get out there and you just get in the groove, and that's what you do. Well, that's the thing. Funny, I've been running around town for three or four weeks, and this is my first trip north again. Yeah. 
and I'm having a ball. I love it. Yeah. And that's not good. No. When you're trying to retire, it's not good to love what you're doing. No. You sort of have a few weeks off. I've had, I've felt it myself, mate. You go on holidays and then you go and you climb back in the cab and you kick the big girl in the guts and you've got a grin on your face and away you go. And yeah. It doesn't bode well, does it? <laughs> and it does. You know, last night you're out here and, you know, you're in the middle of bloody nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, come around a corner and here's half a dozen camels running down the road in front of me. Yeah. And you think, oh, I love this job. You know, that's why I do it because you love it. Yeah, you don't love it quite so much when you're changing a tyre at 45 degrees, though. I know that. No, that was 34 degrees yesterday, and I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing up here? Yeah, yeah, I've had that feeling. I'll tell you what, a rattle gun comes in handy. They do. Modern technology is quite good nowadays. You jack and a rattle gun. It changes your attitude a little bit if you've got the right tools, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it does. So what's the future hold, mate? You said you're going to try and slow down after Christmas. and Yeah, after Christmas, we're going to, hopefully, we'll head to New Zealand. Yep. I want to be over there in March when my mate died last year, and we're going to put his headstone on his grave. Yeah, right, yep. So I, I definitely, you know, COVID allowing us, we'll be over there, and I'm hoping by then Outback Truckers will start again, and I, I wouldn't mind doing a bit of filming out of New Zealand. Yeah, right. That'd be good, wouldn't it? We've done a couple out of New Zealand, and they were awesome. Mm. And I've been in Australia longer than I've been in New Zealand. Yeah. And uh, it would be nice. I love going back over there and having a bit of a change. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I don't really know what it's going to hold. We were planned 18 months ago to go to the UK. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to head over there and sort of see everyone, have a look around Scotland, Norway, maybe do a bit of driving over there if the window opens, you know. Yeah, there's a lot going on over there, mate. I think the way they're going in Britain at the moment, if you've got a heartbeat and a licence, you've got to start over there now, I think. And that's right, and that's why I'm thinking, you know, maybe now's the time to go over there and yeah. have a bit of a work and holiday. Tell you what, you can lend me the Phantom while you're gone, mate. I'll keep it greased for you. Well, that's what everyone says, yeah. Well, you've been needing a driver. I go, like hell, I'll be needing a driver. <laughs> so the queue's long, is it, mate? The queue's getting longer and longer every time everyone finds out that what I'm up to, yeah. No, I think she probably deserved well-born rest. Yeah, put her in the shed, mate, and throw the cover over and let her have a sleep for a while. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the middle of building the shed at home now to put her in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's been a funny ride. It's been a wild ride. It's not over yet, mate. The ride's not over. No. You've still got a bit to do, I think, a few miles left in you. Yeah, yeah, I want to see the three million. So I've only got 200,000 and then I'll see the three million. Well, that's what, what are you going to do after lunch, mate? Yeah, well, that's what they're trying to do to me. I reckon that. <laughs> I reckon you might be bloody dead right. Oh, dear. No, it's good. All right, well, I'll tell you what, it's great to catch up, mate. I hope I'll see you again down the track. Yeah, nice to chat. Yeah, we'll catch up with you at the truck show. Yeah, and we'll see you at the truck show, yeah. No doubt about it, mate. I'll be there this time with bells on. Yeah, no, it'll be a good show, you know. It'll be, yeah, hopefully there'll be lots more trucks this year. And yeah. we'll have the little one there with a the drop deck on it for the kids to go for a ride up and down the hill on. And awesome. It'll be a good thing. All right, mate, take care of yourself out there, and we'll see you in the soup, eh? We will. Look after yourself, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Sludge. Take care, mate. See you, mate. G'day, guys. It's Tone from Tone's Trucking Stories here and Truck Wiz, and you can now listen to the On The Road podcast on the Australian Big Rig Road Show via the Truck Wiz app. Download it from the App Store right now. It's time for Wake the Truck Up with Ben Charles, the truckies tax accounting specialist. Thanks, Andy and Mike. Hi, it's Ben Charles of Truckies Tax Accountants here again and each week to help hardworking Aussie truckies wake the truck up. That's to make sure you increase your refunds from future tax returns and recover extra refunds from returns you've already lodged. I've gone through a number of topics over the weeks, and I'd suggest you go and listen to each of them individually. But today, I thought I'd bring them all together in a profile of the perfect truck driver's tax return. So really, it boils down to two simple things. One, you must ensure your car is eligible by carrying bulky items from home to work, which may be the depot or a truck stop where you leave your car. Do not be driving your truck home, therefore not using your car to go to work. Because you have that car cost, let's make sure it's deductible. You don't have a locker at work and you're carrying bulky items. Then, and here's the important thing that only you can do, you must 
must, must keep a logbook. It's just 12 weeks, once every five years, unless, of course, you change where you live, the house you drive from, the car you drive to work in, and, of course, where you drive to at work. So, number one, make sure you're eligible. Number two, make sure you keep a logbook. And it may be that you do change something during the year. When you do, just call us on one 500 because we will say, okay, you need to keep another 12 weeks. The point is, make sure your car is eligible. Make sure you keep a logbook or logbooks to cover the different patterns you might have during the year. And you can call us to make sure you do. And number three is what we've discussed in previous episodes, which is keeping all your receipts. That's using the free and easy method, which is, again, as the name suggests, is very simple and it's free. And that's having a dedicated bank card, photographing all your receipts and texting all those receipts to a dedicated email address. Again, we've gone through that in detail, but feel free to call. So that simply means that each year we, your accountant, will have a bank statement which lists all your expenses and the expenses for your car will be eligible. We will also have your email inbox with all your invoices. That means you're going to be able to claim every dollar you've spent, including the money on your car, all the meals you have on the road up to 105.75 a day, all your boots and pants. And I could go on, but basically all your work-related expenses and your car become expenses that you can claim against your income, therefore deductions. And that'll ensure that you have the perfect tax return when you come to do it next year and the year after. When I say perfect, it's perfect for you because you get the maximum refund, the maximum eligible and legitimate refund. You don't have to worry about being audited because you've got perfect records. So that's what I mean by perfect. And I can't imagine more for a taxpayer than to have the biggest and the safest refund. And that's what we guarantee for you if you follow our instructions. Okay, as every week, we'd love to hear from you. Andy, Mike, and I are always keen to hear your ideas, your questions, your requests and comments by an email to ontheroadpodcast.com.au or you can call us directly on one 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. The answers we give you on air will benefit others, so please don't hesitate. As always, Remember, everything I'm telling you about is available on ato.gov.au, or if you like to call, call 132861. That's the ATO's number. Nothing I tell you isn't as per the ATO's rules. I'm just making sure I spoon feed you guys. So, again, make sure you work your way towards the perfect truck driver's tax return profile. And God forbid, that doesn't even have to be with me. But if you follow those instructions, you'll be richer and safer for the rest of your life. And finally, for God's sakes, wake the truck up. It's free to listen and learn each week here. It's free to call me on one 500 and to implement our ideas. Until next week or your booking, I'm Ben Charles for Truckies Tax Accountants. Keep it safe out there. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well.
We're just sort of floating about and we're waiting to head back over east and not looking forward to the drive, actually. It's going to be a bit of a drive. I wish we could just sort of, you know, get Scotty to beam us over. That'd be good. Yeah, make life a bit easier, wouldn't it? It would. We could just go, and there you go. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. I could be in my back garden, standing there by the barbecue, holding a steak with a beer in my hand. Life will be good. Yep. God will be in his heaven and everything will be back to normal. That's exactly right, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Now, mate, I've decided I'm going to turn over a new leaf. No jokes about my wife this week. Haven't you? No. Watch you listen to the last episode, mate, if you've been busted. <laughs> no, no, all good, but it was interesting because I was chatting with my elderly neighbour the other day. Yep. And I commented it was just beautiful that after 60 years of marriage to his wife, yep. he still always calls her honey, sweetheart, darling, and a host of other adorable pet names. All right. He said... Don't be too impressed. He said, I haven't been able to remember a name for the last 10 years and I'm too scared to ask. <laughs> so there you go. Someone else's wife this week. Oh, no. Well, there you go. Yeah. Rolling on, Mike, the 2021 Illawarra convoy rolled out last weekend and despite persistent rain, thousands turned out with a handsome sum raised. Mate, they did and they raised $3 million, that's Million with an M and forty-seven thousand dollars, four hundred and seventy-three dollars on top of that. Wow! What an outstanding show! What an outstanding thing to do! Yeah, the Illawarra convoy for kids is probably one of the biggest ones, I suppose, in the country. Certainly, in terms of how much money they raise. Mm. I've missed out on being there for the last couple of years now. Obviously, this year I'm over here, but we'll be back over there next year. I did see my old truck in the convoy. I saw some video there, and uh, shout out Grant Eager. <laughs> If it gets too much for you, mate, I'll be back shortly. <laughs> mm. But we've had a few convoys lately. Brisbane had one there last month as well, and they managed to raise $100,000, which they handed a check over to Hummingbird House for 100000 Wow, Mate, the Brisbane convoy bought over 600 trucks together. Mm. They raised money for lots and lots and lots and lots of stuff. So truckies and bikies that get together, the toy runs and all that sort of thing, it's all very, very important, and we raise a hell of a lot of money for some very, very good causes. Yep. I think a lot of it goes unrecognised sometimes, but what can we say? Congratulations, and I'll be in the convoy down Illawarra next year for sure, you know, as long as my legs aren't broken. Yep. Now let's see what we can do next year. It's always a good day, so, yeah. Yeah. Truckies and bikers, salt of the earth. Well, we do a hell of a lot to do some good things, so. Hmm. Mate, we mentioned Ritchie Brothers Auctions in last week's news, and on the back of a huge demand in the region... It's reported that their Dubbo facility is set to expand yet again to triple its original size. Yeah, it just seems to be the way that it's going these days. Is that auctioneers obviously are having a great time with the businesses that are disposing of their equipment. Mm. Finley Massey indicate that 18,000 square metre increase will accommodate rising demand in the region. Dubbo's been an integral part of the freight puzzle for quite some time. And the Dubbo yards filled a gap. Obviously, people in the country that are buying these trucks want the things out there where they can see them. And mm. Now, it's not just trucks. It's trailers and cranes and scissor lifts and all sorts of things. Indeed. Transport for New South Wales have just advised that a number of COVID testing freight sites around the state will be closing as of next week. Yeah, that's right, mate. There's a lot of these COVID testing sites, truck-friendly sites that are closing. And the requirements, obviously, with the freight passes and things like that aren't changing that much. Makes me wonder where blokes are actually going to get their tests done. Now, it's getting pretty hard to get anywhere near any of these places with a truck. Mm. As a result of low demand, the Narrabarba, Raglan, Forbes, Dubbo and Brankston sites will all be closed from the 15th of December. Ballina, Narandra, Tari, Tarkata and Maroolan and the Yass testing sites will continue to operate. If you go to bigrigs.com.au and look for the story, Closure of New South Wales Freight Testing Sites, You'll be able to go down the story and there's a link there which will tell you what sites are going to remain, where you can get your test, and the NHVR's COVID testing map's also there. So there's 11 sites, but these are going to steadily decline as testing numbers change. And since the peak in, in September this year, there's been a 20% decline in tests. So one has to wonder why that is, why so many people aren't getting tested because the test requirements haven't changed that much. Could it be that drivers aren't crossing the border anymore? Could be. 
Now, Mike, last but by no means least, and one that I know you'll have a lot to talk about, <laughs> with news of the fast-looming AdBlue shortage in Australia due to China stopping all exports of urea to stabilise its own market, some very important decisions will need to be made. They will, mate. Now, we've been talking about this AdBlue shortage thing for a while now, mm. and there are several stories about this. Remember recently the NHVR had their program on saying that they didn't want people remapping their engines, it's against the law and all that sort of stuff. Remember that conversation? That was news not that long ago. I do. So I find it wildly amusing now that we've got the ATA coming out saying, oh, well, you can't remap your engines. What do they expect people to do? Mm. Just sit their truck on the side of the road and say, well, no, we can't use it. Yep. China has decided that they don't want to export AdBlue to Australia. Now, I don't know where we stand with that. I know that there are people in the country that are trying to source AdBlue, which is of a sufficient purity to make AdBlue here. But there's a number of issues going on about this. There are people talking about it every day now. I know Simon O'Hara from Road Freight New South Wales has had a little bit to say about it. I also know Lyndon Watson, Watson's Transport, who was talked to on the show several times before, has had a bit to say about it as well. Mm. The simple fact of the matter is... The freight task is still there to be carried out. We've been led down this path where we have to have these Euro 5 and 6 compliant trucks and they require AdBlue or some other EGR or SCR system in them to function. Mm. These things are part of the climate change agenda to reduce emissions. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing all we can to reduce emissions. For God's sake, don't anyone accuse me of that. But the freight has to be moved. And going without food on the shelves of the supermarket is not an option. Mm. So for the NHVR to say, oh, well, you can't shut these things off because it's illegal, why the hell can you not shut them off? There's got to be some sort of a dispensation for a problem that's being produced by forces beyond the control of the operators. Yep. Like so much else in the transport industry, it's a stroke of the pen. A bureaucrat, stroke of the pen, problem solved. Mm. It's all too hard. We're all going to stand and shout at each other. And at the end of the day, it's going to be the drivers on the highway. They're going to be getting pulled up and their trucks are going to be plugged in to see if their bloody SCR system or their AdBlue system has been disabled. Mm. You know, that's what's going to happen. I can see it. And as soon as Coles and Woolies and Aldi and bloody IGA and all them realise that there's not enough trucks that are around that function other than AdBlue, you know, unless you've got your old Argosy with an old signature in it or something like that that doesn't need AdBlue, mm. I'll tell you what, there's going to be some old trucks rolled out of mothballs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not going to change anything. I mean, even the industry bodies, I cannot understand why there has been absolute total silence from most people that should be having something to say about this. Mm. It's just beyond me. Mm. But it would make so much sense to be manufacturing here ourselves, wouldn't it? Well, it would be. I know that Formula Chemicals, my old mate Lee Smart there that helped us out with the water run that couple of years ago, has been scrambling to try and sort of find some urea that's of a sufficient quality to make AdBlue with. Hmm. I mean, it's not complicated. It's reasonable quality urea with demineralized water mixed up at a ratio. I think it's like 20% or something. Hmm. So it's, it's not rocket science. You can do it in your bloody sink in your kitchen if you've got the right stuff. Hmm. AdBlue is something that's not supposed, it wasn't supposed to cost us anything. It wasn't supposed to increase the operating cost of your truck. This is how it was all sold to us, and it's turned out to be all bullshit. Mm. It's just like every other thing that's been sold to us. It's all bullshit. Now, all these truck fires that you see, these are DPF trucks, like DPF's diesel particulate filters for those who don't know. They run at absolutely extraordinary temperatures to try and burn off the carbon particulate so it doesn't get into the atmosphere. But I don't know if you've parked it on some dry grass, it'll burn your whole truck for you. It's just awesome. Yeah. The amount of crap that we've gone through in this industry to try and comply and try and jump through every hoop and hurdle every boulder and keep everyone happy, it's about time people realise that truckies need to keep truckies happy. We cart the freight. It's up to us. Yes, there are standards, but the standards have to be sensible. Yep. People don't pay any attention to what's sensible. That's because they don't have any skin in the game. Mm. They're not the owner driver with a $400,000 mortgage on his house to pay for a fucking truck. Mm. It's as simple as that. Indeed. Most of these blokes have bought a job. That's what they've done. Mm. And it's just getting worse. Yep. I better step off the soapbox, mate. Yeah, well, you've got a lot more to say about it in something to talk about coming up shortly, so we'll save up for that. I'll strip again. <laughs> Will I still be vertical by then? Oh, we can hope so. Thought for the week, mm. and I think this probably applies to a lot of our politicians in the current situation. Yep. More people would learn from their mistakes if they weren't so busy denying them. <laughs> 
Hey, listen, I had a great chat with Glenn Stirl the other day. Mm. So that interview is going to be coming up. We're getting close to Christmas, so that might not happen until the new year. But great conversation there. We've got other things coming up as well. I'm trying to get hold of some people to talk about what to do with the event of having a crash with an electric vehicle. Got a lot of great stuff coming up. Better talk about the Christmas show. We're going to have Australian music on the Christmas show that we've played on the on the show this year. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. next week, folks, I've got a couple of absolute superstars to talk to. Wow. And you won't want to miss that. So not going to say any more. Not going to say any more? Not going to say any more. So you're not even going to tell me? No, it's a secret. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, buddy. Well, you have a good one. We will. I'll talk to you later on, mate. You will indeed. Be good. Take it easy. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. This is Adam Gibson from NTI, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy. Tell you what, there's a lot of stuff going on, conversations with respect to the looming shortage of ad blue that we're dealing with at the moment. We can't get it out of China, apparently, and the Australian suppliers are struggling to keep up with it. I know that a friend of mine, Lee Smart at Formula Chemicals, has been having a little bit of drama trying to sort out deaf quality urea. Not that complicated. It's just urea mixed with water to a certain concentration, and no, you can't pee in your tank. You don't have that much urea. So that won't work. All you might do is give yourself a nasty burn if you try, so I don't recommend that. They won't work with water either, apparently. They can detect that. So there's been a lot of articles written. I'm looking at one here right now from trucksales.com.au where they talk about why you shouldn't disable the AdBlue system on your truck. Well, I can tell you now, as an ex-owner driver, if I was in the situation where I had a truck that ran needing AdBlue, my house is on the line. If the truck doesn't work, then I don't get paid. I don't make any money. Now, the reality of it is, is you're 100% going to lose your house. You're 100% going to lose your truck. You're 100% going to lose your livelihood. You might get caught if you disable the AdBlue system. And even if you got caught, I think you've got a pretty good bloody case. If you can't buy it, I think you've got every right to run your truck. Now, People are going to argue that. We know that the NHVR are saying, well, you know, it's illegal to do it. And yes, it is, I expect, illegal to cause your truck to breach the Australian standards with respect to emissions and all that sort of thing. But I would have thought that it'd almost be illegal to force you to sit on the side of the road and do nothing. Well, at least that's my point of view. So we've got high SCR engines, hot combustion and all that sort of stuff. You've got the DEF systems, you've got the EGR system and all the rest of it. The take-home story from trucksales.com.au is, I'll quote the last paragraph, so if you're considering mucking around with your truck's SCR system, if one of your mates is okay to do it, think again. It's not only highly illegal, it could also damage your truck. I don't understand how it could damage the truck. I'm no engineer, but if this stuff goes in in the exhaust, how's it going to damage the engine? The engine runs the same. I don't understand. But we know that these things can be disabled. There are plenty of cheap devices out there to help you to do it. I'm not advertising any of this stuff. I'm just saying that it's out there. And I think that the complexity of the emission system, there's a heap of aftermarket bits and pieces to bypass EGL valves and blank them off, change the programming a little bit if you can. Now, there's plenty of opportunities, plenty of different ways for you to get around this if you choose to. I honestly think what should happen is that the government should say, okay, fine, if you can't get it, we'll pass a little piece of legislation that says this stuff can be turned off for a little while until things come back on render a date. From this date, you can turn it off and it must be turned back on by this date. Problem solved. Remove the criminality or the illegality from someone trying to make a living. But our governments aren't very good at that, are they? They keep screwing blokes that can't afford to argue about it. You can't even take a trick these days. And I'm fundamentally opposed to all this sort of stuff. We really do need to let people get on with their life and make a living. All this ad blue stuff, I understand that we should consider the environment. I really do. We've also got a freight task to consider. We've also got the needs of the community to consider. We've got to move product from one place to another place. If the truck that we've got can't do it because of some aftermarket thing that's out of our control, then we should be able to take steps to rectify that and continue on our way, at least in the short term. Anyone that can't see the the pragmatic nature of that, really, I don't understand how you think. I really don't. Anyway, that's something to talk about, something to think about. 
let me know. If I'm completely wrong, tell me. Bear in mind, I'm not telling anyone to do anything illegal. I absolutely am not. But I can understand why people would take steps to preserve their mortgage, preserve their business, and keep earning a living. That's the message. See ya. A two-time Golden Guitar winner hailing from Victoria and the consummate Aussie country singer-songwriter, here's Luke Austin with Let's Just Go With It. our show for this week. Thanks for coming along for the ride. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. Be sure to join us again next week when Mike says... Mate, um, oh, no, no, that's, 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 that'll come up really well. Andy says... <coughs> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice today. And our guest says... So that was a heavy question. Until we catch up with you again next week, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions.